Here they come! Welcome to episode 28 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and today I'm joined by Andrew Glazebrook to discuss the Norris sequence from John Carpenter's The Thing. Ship to ship. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Hello Andrew. Hi, you're okay. I'm absolutely fine and... um, Looking forward to finally getting around to John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, I wanted to do it right from the get-go, but, you know, there's so many other things that I wanted to get done first and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. So, oh, it's, it's John Carpenter's The Thing. I thought it was the 2011 version we were doing. All right, cut. We'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> no, and my first question to you on this one is I know, you know, from past episodes and times when we've talked before that uh, some things in the early 80s, you were a bit young to see and some you were okay to see. So was John Carpenter's The Thing something you you managed to get into the cinema to see when it came out? No, no, I was, um, it was 82, wasn't it? So I was actually, I think the first knowledge I had of it, I was at Sixth Form College in 83 and it was a friend of mine and uh, he'd sort of like, he was a huge horror fan and he sort of told me about this and I don't know how it kind of bypassed me. I used to buy a lot of magazines, but this one seemed to bypass me. Maybe he's, I was like looking at Starburst and not realizing kind of, you know, that this was a, a, a remake or what. But uh, he sort of raved about this and then he introduced me to it on the VHS. And that's the first time I've seen it, obviously, pan and scan. Uh, but I was absolutely blown away by, you know, the, the quality of everything in it. You know, I think it's one of those very few films. Um, I think it was the dog transformation sequence, actually, that really did sort of send shivers up my spine. You know, I remember sort of when that was happening, thinking, oh, God, this is really scary, you know, like, you know, I was like, I'm glad there's other people with me, you know, sort of thing, uh, watching it, because it was, yeah, it was way ahead of anything I'd ever seen before Mm. in in that department. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, that that, that word you used just there was, uh, you you can say this all through, uh, this film is quality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and like you said, just things you've never seen before. You know, it wasn't like you could even sort of say, oh, I've seen things. You know, I mean, you, you can now, obviously, in, in uh, years later, uh, refer back to other movies. But this was just unlike anything that had gone mm, before. Anything that had gone yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a big 50s science fiction movie fan. And, you know, I'm a f- big fan of uh, um, The Thing from Another World. Um, and then I'd become a fan of John Carpenter through Halloween and especially Escape from New York. You know, I, yeah. f- I fell in love with Escape from New York. That's another film that we've got to get round to soon. Um, so knowing that he was going to do a remake of that and the guy that did Escape from New York, you know, I couldn't wait for it. And yeah. you're right, the, the dog sequence, which again, we'll get round to at some point. Um, I want to hold off on anecdotes on many of these things because I've got quite a few. But um, 
it was like something you'd never seen before. And this was one of the films, again, where I would time it. So say the dog thing, I'd work out that that's 43 minutes into the film. And it's like, OK, right. the film starts at two o'clock. I've got to be in at 2.43. And I'd go in there and I'll just watch that sequence again and again and again. You know, yeah, and and probably to watch the reactions of the audience. I well, uh, as I say, I don't want to say too much, especially one for the dog thing. I've got I've got a story about that for the right, dog okay. sequence because the rear we're we're moving off off subject at the moment, but really that was the moment where it sets out exactly what you're in for, doesn't it? That sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're fast forwarding. We're 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 um, I guess about middle way into the film with this sequence. It might, it might be even further than middle way, mightn't it? It's getting quite towards the uh, the latter part of the movie, isn't it? When uh, the uh, the sequence we're going to talk about happens, it's probably more like about sort of seventy five percent through, I think. Yeah, it's certainly where everything ratches up another notch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's a good point for for us to have a clip, and we'll consult yep. our clocks. All right. So uh, here we go with the clip. So, sweethearts, you're about to have yourselves a little lynching party, huh? Well, I might just have to put an end to you on Johnny Principal's nose. Ever occur to the jury that anybody could have got some of my clothes and stuck them up the furnace? We ain't buying that. Quit that bickering over there. We'll we let defibrillator over here. Put some good photos, pal. You're going to have to sleep sometime, McCready. I'm a real light sleeper, child. Anyone tries to wake me. Now, I'm hoping I'm going to say this word right, but we start with the defilibration. Is that correct? Defilibration? De, de, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, something like that. Uh, the electric shock de, treatment. Let, let's just go with defib. Defib. There you go. The defib of Norris. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the camera is down nice and low, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. I'm guessing to hide any joins there, you know, mm. between the real Norris and his fake chest. Um, and they try it a couple of times, uh, but then we get a cut to uh, McCready with his flamethrower. Yeah, and holding them off sort of thing. Yeah, and he, he's holding them off. But in in the extreme foreground, you've got a hand holding the scalpel, haven't you? And I think I think it's I think it's Childs there. Yeah, he's he, kind of sneaked it up, hasn't he? Like his sleeve, almost like if anything kicks off, he's got this scalpel to take McCready yeah, out with. Yeah, yeah but, but Childs is, is like the gap between the hand and Kurt Russell. And I think that that's a deliberate... He's almost in silhouette. I think that's like the join line between the two things because that, they're both so in focus. Usually if you've got something like that, you've got a blurry line, haven't you? Usually when you're trying to keep two things far yeah, away, both yeah, in you, focus. You, you often see that, in, especially in scope movies, don't you, where they've done that kind of, uh, yeah, that join with the, the blur. It's a smudge almost, isn't it? It's like a mm. smudging. Um, yeah. But John Carpenter was very clever there. He's he's put in a, a, a very dark silhouette of one of the characters, and I'm sure it's intentional. So the mm. smudginess is actually over that silhouette. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we cut to him. He's holding them off, and then we cut back, and we've got clear, 
<laughs> and then, and then, 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 then the, f- the first one doesn't work, does it? So he no. he, he, he goes, he, he kind of makes this great like <laughs> sort of noise, you know, yeah. to say it's not working, and then goes in for the second one, and that's when it all kicks off. It's very similar to the blood sample scene as well, where you have a, a, a one go at it, nothing happens, and then the yeah. next one, and bam, yeah. it, it starts. Yeah. Um, and the and, chest and it, open. Yeah, I mean, you're just not expecting it in a million years, are you? You just, you know, if if you have sort of, if it's one of them things like what happens next, if you show mm. that to somebody, you know, you, what's going to happen here? I don't think anybody would have ever said that chest is going to split wide open. No, no. And, and it is seamless. I mean, when it does open, you, you, you've you got Norris's head there and you cannot see the join. I, I, I freeze framed it uh, today and it is a seamless join between the real guy and the uh, fiberglass chest. Well, I, I've never, you know, understood whether that was even like an actual full prosthetic Norris or not. I didn't know because you know what? you know the quality of the work is like it's very difficult i'm thinking is that just like a, a complete dummy or no, is that no, like no, that's the real, the real one the real actor right yeah that is here. a real actor but when you say we're, we're skipping ahead a few seconds but when you see the side of him after it's opened he, he's he's got all like belly hair and everything that's the fake chest but it's got really authentic looking belly hair you know they yeah. really went to yeah. such a, a a lot of work on this you know mm. but um yeah, it opens. You've got those incredible teeth, very uh, Jaws-like teeth, you know, shark-like yeah. teeth. They, they look almost kind of like they're made out of kind of slate or something, don't like carved stone. They're, they're yeah. really vicious and jagged. And Yeah. Um, yeah. His arms drop in. <laughs> um, this is a, a, a slight thing. It, it always used to uh, draw me out of a bit, a bit. It clamps shut, doesn't it? It grabs yeah. his arms um and his arms are cut off but they don't they're not cut off at the teeth they they sort of break off about like four or five almost at the elbow they like tear off yeah Mm. but i can't believe that anybody can pull back with such force that their arms would just tear off like that you know yeah because it does it it kind of chomps more than once doesn't it It kind of like chomp chomp sort of thing. once his arms come back you see it going chomp chomp a couple of times on on what he's already got you yeah, know? and and it, it's it's weird as well because it, it as he pulls them that it's just the the texture of the the arm it's very sort of it doesn't feel like it's latex it's very gelatinous and yes. fleshy and you know? it's like a, it's the sound effects and everything. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're getting ahead a few seconds again, but it's the same thing in the neck. The way that uh, you have this stretching effect and then it tears. It's not just like an old bit of latex that's just yeah. you know, snapped off. You know. Yeah, well, I'll talk about that in the technical because right, somebody, cool. somebody told me something about what they used for this sequence. But, All uh, right. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, the arms uh, come off. The guy uh, reels back. Um, yeah. Again, we'll talk about that in special in, in behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, you, you've got that very odd shot as he's reeling back, though, kind of waving his stumps, where Norris's chest now appears to be almost slightly raised up, kind of volcanic, you know, mm. Um in that side view, but then I think when we cut back to kind of like a different angle, it, it's not quite as no. Pronounced. It's gone back to normal, it's, hasn't it? Gone, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. a bit of a continuity going on there that I always thought was slightly odd. Why it was so raised up in that side shot? Mm. Um, 
So that's a real shock, you know. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's taken aback by it. But then you've got the, the, the fantastic sound effects. You've got this, like, bubbling sound effects, and you've got a breathing effect going on where you're seeing, um, you know, his uh, chest in uh, side profile, and Norris starts shaking. And then we just get this eruption, you know, yeah. of, of stuff. Now, I, I was looking at it, and I, I, I watched it a couple of times, and – it really does look like it, they've had some sort of device firing things. It, it's not something hung upside down and they've dropped it out. Something was firing that muck, you know, yeah. with quite a lot of force. Yeah, and I mean, I know it was an 18 certificate movie, this, but, you know, we, we've we've got quite a lot of colours going on. We've got yellows and we've got greens. We haven't just, it, it isn't all just blood and gore, is it? We've got lots of, yeah. you know, other things going on. It makes you wonder whether everything had just been left as red and blood, whether it would have possibly had to be cut do you think you know? it's like a sin city thing where you know if it if it had been too red the sensor would have had a massive problem with it so you know yeah. you've got to change it a different color evil dead too i remember reading with rimey where he said you know one of the reasons they did quite a lot of kind of colorful sort of liquids you know for for certain sequences was it yeah it, it really had a bit of leeway with the sensors mm. you know if you've got greens and you've got blues and stuff going on you know um, and certainly, you know, there is a lot of that. And I think if it had just been reds, I mean, it makes it, I suppose it makes it more alien, the fact that there is colours in there, you know, mm. as opposed to it just being red. You know, there's, there's much more of an alien aspect where, you know, you've got these things. But, yeah, the yeah. eruption from the chest is great. Are you there, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you Sorry. went quiet. Um no, I mean, what you say about the colours, they are very, um, you know, unusual and alien in a creature. And also, apart from, you know, where we see a bit of a dog, everything the uh, the thing turns into, it's not mm. Earth-like, is it? So, you know, it it makes sense that the colours mm. won't necessarily be Earth-like either. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a... It's, it's quite hard to describe without seeing it because it's it's everything. It's the sound effects. I mean, there's no music in this sequence, is there? I mean, that's the thing. It's kind of all just sound. I was going to say, um, it's one of those moments where, you know, he's figured out, yeah, let's just play it. I mean, John Williams does it a few times in Star Wars as well, where you just let the sound effects guys, you know, let rip yeah. and hold the yeah. music back. Yeah, because it, I think with with music, it just would have been too much. I mean, you know, what what could you possibly add over the top of this? You'd, you'd end up drowning out the sound effects. Well, um, number one, you it, yeah, it, it would have just been more in the mix at this moment. But if you had had the whole beauty of this scene is it's a shock moment. If you had had music almost telegraphing that something was about to happen the point is it just opens and you're not expecting it if you had had music yeah, building yeah. up to it you the audience knows something's going to happen yeah you know? yeah that's what that's what's so good about it like you said it's just that kind of unexpected nature you know you've got a guy who's essentially had a heart attack and they're just trying to bring him back you know and there's no reason to believe that he's you know he's the thing and he's point. a really nice guy as well I th i'm sure this is deliberate you know yeah uh, yeah the guy is a nice character. You're almost rooting for him because he's like this teddy bear of a guy. He's the least yeah. one that you would actually want to turn into something. You know? Yeah. So when when this happens to him, it's like, oh, you know, poor bloke. You know, he's had a, he's having a genuine heart attack here, and you know, I, ho I hope they can help him. But uh, yeah, yeah. Bit, bit too bit too late for him at this point. <laughs> 
So we have to have a cutaway, you know, to allow for the next effects. And that's uh, old McCready there looking all macho. I, l- I love Kurt Russell's look on his face. I mean, mm. all of us, we'd be cacking it and we'd be out the door. But he's, <laughs> he has got this almost like, you know, man with no name, Clint Eastwood style snarl on his face, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back and we've got the tall Norris monster. You know, it's erupted. The whole thing's... I don't know how, but grown out of the the, the body mass of Norris, and yeah. uh, there it the is. This isn't it. Sort yeah, the... up on the rafters, um, we've got all the goo on the ceiling. I'm sure that goo on the ceiling was left over. I'm sure that is deliberate, uh, definitely above the chest thing when they made that thing explode. You know, somebody hasn't gone mm. up there and stippled that on with a paintbrush. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's, yeah, that's leftovers from the last effect. Mm. Um, and, then... and sorry. Well, it's, it's it's kind of a multi sequence, isn't it? Because as that's kind of kicking off, you've then got the obviously the the head separate from the body going on as well. There's a lot going on in this. This is why I chose this one for the first one because it, it's a very busy sequence with an awful awful lot of techniques and uh, yeah. and looks to everything. But this is the one bit that I don't like in it. I mean, you know, uh, he's grown up to the ceiling. He's roaring. That's good. But then we get a close up on the Norris face, and that's not so good, is it? The the actual shot when it's sort of detaching from the body is a bit weird. Um, no, I no think... I'm ta- I'm talking about the when he's the tall one, the head that's oh, up yeah, on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I always thought there was something slightly off with the eyes. This, the eyes mm. look slightly kind of you know wonky, really. Um, you know, like slightly cross-eyed, like they haven't got the eyes sorted out right. But yeah, um, it looks yeah. all right in a long shot, but then you get in a close-up of the face, and it's a good like you know two or three seconds of the eyes moving. And and you're right, it is the eyes because the way they look left and right, it's almost like a a Thunderbird's puppet's yeah. eyes. You know, they, they they just move in too regularly, and the eyes don't blink. You know, but it, you know if if you think about it, you know, without the aid of any kind of assistance with digital effects everything is kind of in that neck and in that head and in Mm, those limbs there's no visible signs of wires or anything so it's a very complicated mechanism to fit into so i mean in one way you know they they did an absolute brilliant job um but yeah there's flaws in the sequence with that yeah but that's that that that, that's you know, just over analyzing it when you're yeah. when you're watching it the first time, you're not thinking about that at no, all. You know, no. <laughs> your jaws on the floor. You know? <laughs> and like I said, that that sort of Norris monster there is almost a distraction for the fact that the head is now separating. Yeah, on a different yeah. part of the body. He, yeah, he gets torched, and we get the the, the whole neck stretching, um, and the skin starts breaking, and things in the yeah. neck start popping terrific (laughs) yeah it's just so gruesome but as you say more greens more yellows especially Uh, yeah i mean as the head sort of starts getting lowered down from the bench kind mm. of almost on the tendrils yeah there's very kind of dribbles off the side of the table doesn't he (laughs) yeah there's there's greens and there's kind of yellow kind of pustules popping and things so there's lots lots of uh, color going on there but i think i said there's that one shot just as the just as the head's about to separate and there's lots of flames and stuff and the head's kind of um just about to start splitting where i don't know whether it might just be the lighting but it does have a very sort of like rubbery look to the head at that point but as it starts lowering it looks absolutely fantastic yeah i think that because the camera's further away you know you're yeah, looking yeah. at the whole table as it as it goes down and again great sound effects um yeah. as he drips off the table we he, la- he lands on the floor uh we have the tongue come out and yeah it's almost itself. like a weird kind of like a hiss almost it's making isn't it and that kind yeah. of like like it's dry, try, trying to sort of almost draw breath, and mm. it's got this weird, yeah, it's 
brilliant sound effects. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing actually I've never really looked into is the sound design because I say it adds adds so much to the sequence. There's very little. I mean, we'll we'll talk behind the scenes, um, you, you know, shortly. But yeah, no sound design. Didn't see anything on it at all. Yeah, but there's some brilliant work going on there, you know, with with the effects. And then, so then they've got that great shot of the the, the tongue kind of almost lashing out and trying mm. to find something to latch onto. Yeah, well, uh, you you know how they accomplish that. That's yeah. that, that, that that's old as the hills. That trick, you know, it's, yeah. it's reverse filming. Yeah. Um, it's a shame, you know. I don't I don't know if it was Rob Bottin, you know. Um, I know he was quite protective of his, uh, you know, methods and techniques. So there's not anything that I know of, you know, behind the scenes of how they filmed all these things because he he kept them secret. He tried to keep everything secret, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it, the, it's the a closest shame. the closest you will get to any kind of real behind the scenes stuff often is just Mike Plug's illustrations mm. of like kind of how some of these gags were set up, almost like cartoon illustrations of you know where where the crew member was hidden the desk and things yeah. like that. So I, I, but, I'll be putting all those up on Facebook. Um, yeah, from so. the Cine Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And can I just say? I mean, we mentioned this uh, that this particular edition of that magazine in a previous show but anyone if you're a fan of this film track it down just type in cine fantastic um rob bottin or the thing yeah uh, it's is it the double edition with krull i think isn't it it's got krull in it yeah but yeah yeah, yeah you can get alternate <laughs> covers you can either get the krull cover or the i think i've got the krull cover actually oh have you no i've, uh, I've got rob bottin for... looking all hunky on the corner uh, on the cover with his like you know his hand on his chin yeah, I think With I've definitely got the cruel the cruel cover though for this one. But yeah, oh, I think I prefer my one. I'm not and a big it... fan of Kroll. Oh, aren't you? Oh no. Oh well, no, we won't I, go. I, we won't go there. I prefer Hulk <laughs> the Slayer. Oh, I like that too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, they 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 put the fire out. Uh, we have some fire extinguisher action. Yeah, and uh, we then in silhouette. We see the legs coming out the head, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and again, fantastic that cracking sounds. You know, as those legs kind of crack out of the head, are absolutely brilliant. You know, the, the sort of the bone crunching and stuff. I reckon they did uh, that. I reckon they used lobster legs or something like that. They recorded real, you know, cracking yeah, yeah. shells to do that. Yeah. Um, and the eyes come out as well. Uh, yes, because the, yeah, at this point, like it's the head is actually upside down, isn't it? That's yes. the thing. It's like yeah, you know, so so the the mouth of it is kind of upside down and. But yeah, yeah well, what a great idea, you know. Yeah. Um, as I say, I used to watch this sequence uh, so much. And uh, up until now, the audience are OK. Yeah. Okay. But when you see it, as you say, it's upside down now. But when it, it, it sort of peers out from the side of the table and does this little gaspy little noise. Yeah. Yeah. People used to laugh, you know. Yeah. Um, because it's just so odd looking to have the he- uh, head upside down and the mouth does this almost comical opening yeah, I, and closing. I, I, I kind of sort of half agree and half don't. I think it is hugely entertaining, but also it's incredibly unnerving. So I think sort of the laugh is kind of almost possibly a defense mechanism. As in, you know, this is quite terrifying, really. It, it could be a nervous one, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, because I think it genuinely is disturbing, but also incredibly funny. But you know, that- I... But you say incredibly funny, but yeah, the next thing we've got, we've got, we see over MacReady's shoulder, we see it scuttling away. 
Yeah. Okay. And that got a bigger laugh, you know, mm. <laughs> the scuttling of it. And uh, and then you've yeah. got, I can't say the line because my children are around right now, now but uh, Palmer's line, you've got to yeah. be dot, dot, yeah. dot. Kidding. People, people, <laughs> yeah, kidding, yeah. People erupted. They, they they thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it's it's that kind of almost McCready and I can't remember which of the characters facing either way. And he almost does like a little bit of like almost kind of catches out the corner of his eye, doesn't it? Yeah. He just turns around. It's the way they would just turn around and look. And then he says the line, you know. Yeah. And then McCready just like, oh, sod this. He'll just flame throw stuff. <laughs> yeah. Now, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves, but in behind the scenes. But uh, yeah, the uh, there's. I think what's happening when he gets torched, did you notice the uh, the spider head is sort of like half out of the room and just around the corner? And I'm I'm sure they they were making it, you know, it judders when it's been uh, when it catches fire. I'm sure it's attached to a rod or something that's hidden by the door frame. There. Yeah, they probably. Yeah. So they can just move it around. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just too dangerous to, to, to do anything while it's on fire in any other way. You've got some guy at the end of a long pole, you know, jiggling yeah. it around. And again, it just uh, slightly on behind the scenes to make sure how many people were in the room when that was actually on fire, because it's probably giving off all sorts of dangerous chemicals at this point. This is very true. Yeah. yeah. Time, you, know, you know, whether it was just filmed second unit later on, you know, um, in a different environment altogether. But again, yeah, there's, there's no indication. Just was this like all done on one day with, you know, right, we fit, we finished with the opening mouth, now put in the next one, the tall one, and now do the stretching head, or, or was this over a, a series of days? We just don't know. Yeah, you know, it, it, I think, you know, it's a hell of a sequence to film in one day. I mean, it, you know, the setting up of just some of the single gags alone, you know, it'll be a lot of work, so... yeah. I imagine it is a multiple sequence. Um, I think that's why, in a way, as one sequence is kind of ending, as the sort of touching the Blair monster thing, or whatever it's called, the, mm. the Blair monster, the uh, the kind of head on the ceiling. Um, mm. The Norris we, we then kind of the Norris monster, yeah. Um, well, part of the Norris monster because the, the the head is also <laughs> yeah. part of it. But uh, yeah, it's it's almost like two different sequences, and that's the defining joiners. That bit's kind of burning and it's done, but now we're onto this sequence. Yeah. Um, I don't think you really see any kind of aftermath there of any of this sort of afterwards. I don't think you sort of see what's... I think it then really pretty much just cuts straight to them almost going to do the the, the, the test. blood test. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. think you kind of see the child remains of any of this later on or what no, they do. No, I, the... I think it's just inferred they take it outside and, and torch it some yeah, more. Yeah, you know? yeah. Okay, all right. Well, that with, with the torching of it, we that's the sequence over. So we go into behind the scenes... Now, you're well-schooled on this. You're a fan of the film, and you're well-schooled in this. So I do apologise, Andrew, uh, if you know all this already. The original creature designer on the film was a guy by the name of Dale Culper. Yeah. Uh, back when the alien only had one shape, um, and it used illusion and hypnotism, um, you know, to scare its victims. Yeah, which is a kind of completely different idea, really, isn't it? You know, but uh, I mean, yeah. it, probably, it probably would have still been a nice idea with that, but... Uh... You know, yeah. again, different enough from the original thing to make it a different uh, movie. But I have seen his illustrations, and you know, they're, they're okay, but uh, they're not a patch on what we finally got. No, I mean, you know, that thing that looks like a face hugger, but it goes, you know, you could call it a head hugger. The thing that goes completely over, yeah, over like, the head. Like a big kind of crab thing, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was apparently because uh, John Carpenter, he said nothing, um, nothing could be just a man in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, I know, you know, he's a massive fan of the thing from another world. I mean, he, he did the audio commentary on the on the DVD. Um, and, you know, even though he's a massive fan of the film, he didn't want to just remake the film with, you, you know, a James Arness type in a boiler suit. eh? Yeah. Yeah. I know that I have heard an interview with Carpenter, well, several interviews with Carpenter where he's talking about the thing and he didn't really like making it. I think he's not a huge, I think he, he just wants to get on set and get things filmed and, you know, he he's hanging around waiting for Botting and people to set stuff up really annoyed him. You know, I think that's probably like why he never did anything this elaborate again until probably in the mouth of madness. You know, with 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 prosthetics and things, uh, because I don't think he was. A, you know, he, he's a very sort of like fast working director, and you know, these things take time to set up. Um, you know, I have heard him sort of complain about this in various interviews that it was a nightmare to make. You know, for for those reasons. Uh, plus, also, I think it says in the DVD documentary as well that they were filming at the Universal Studios in the height of summer. Yes. So he said they're all dressed up in parkas, and it's like sort of you know. 40 degrees or something outside it, it uh, caused a lot of illness because they got so cold and then they were going out into this baking yeah, heat yeah and their that's right yeah. just couldn't handle it <laughs> yeah they said that there'd be people literally passing on the universal tour buses in like sunglasses and shorts and <laughs> bermuda shirts and yet to be these guys pouring out of this soundstage wearing parkas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're all pouring out from this chill set yeah. but yeah very, very bizarre you know right Okay, um, shortly before production, uh, Dale Culper, he was injured and he was put out of action and they couldn't delay the film, so they had to uh, um, look for someone else. And uh, John Carpenter, he enlisted Rob Bottin, of course, yeah, yeah. who he had worked uh, with before on The Fog. Mm. Yeah, he played Blake, didn't he, as well? That's right, yes. Uh, but Rob Bottin thought that the des- designs weren't spooky enough. And it was just a big bug. Yeah, that that the head hugger th- hugger thing does. It could be a bug, couldn't it? Yeah. You could see well, where he would. I mean, no, no, no disrespect to uh, Dale Cooper, Culper, or whatever he was called, because uh, I've never heard of the guy personally. I, I I couldn't tell you anything else he's ever worked on. I've never looked into his background. Uh, no, all you know. I saw is that he was a bit bitter about it, that he right. missed out on this opportunity. But hey, if if, if you're injured and you're out of action, yeah. you know. A uh, uh, Hollywood uh, film, you know, yeah. they can't wait, can they? Yeah, but, you know, so he's not somebody's name who's familiar to me. You know, he's not like I thought, oh, yeah, this is the guy who went on to work on this other movie. I've never honestly heard of the bloke. I've never even thought about checking up on IMDb to see what else he might have done. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not like a Rob Bottin, Rick Baker werewolf thing, is it? Where, no. you know, you've got two contemporaries um, going yeah. their separate ways. No. No. I mean, I assume he was only brought in initially as concept artist. I mean, you know, where, where Bottin was kind of a little bit of both, wasn't he? Bottin's uh, quite an accomplished illustrator, apparently, and uh, mm. ideas man, and he's also, you know, very hands-on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, maybe his culpa was only brought in initially as concept. Hmm. Yeah, well, talking about concepts, you know, he um, also brought on board, as you mentioned, was Mike Plug, yeah. who I always think of um, from the 70s. He was a comic book artist. And yeah. in, in Britain here, we had, uh, you know, Dracula Lives comic, a Marvel UK reprint of, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the the Marvel uh, horror characters yeah. and uh, including Werewolf by Night. Uh, which benefited greatly from being printed in black and white. All Marvel UK titles were in black and white. So you had this incredibly moody Mike Plug artwork on uh, Werewolf by Night. So I knew him from that. Yeah. Uh, but there's another guy, I, 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 again, I've never heard of before, called Mentor Hubner. 
Yeah, Men- Mentor Hubner, um, he worked on Blade Runner as well. Uh, oh, right. He was one of the concept artists. He, he was one of the guys who did some of the the early versions of the city before kind of uh, Sid Mead essentially took over, you know, refi- refining them. If you do look for him on Google Mentor Hubner Blade Runner, you will see some of his illustrations. Oh, I have to do uh, that. So, but um, again, it's a bit weird because it's quite unusual for a concept artist to... You, you, a lot of the time, concept artists tend to be either kind of one thing or the other. You're either environments or you're your creature. Hmm. Um, you know, there's there's very few people. Who, I mean, Ron, Ron Cobb does a bit of both. But you don't often see people like Sid Mead doing aliens. He tends to be more to his technology. And I think, you know, yes. uh, so I don't know what Hubner's stuff would have been, um, you know, like in a way. Uh, well, no, I mean, in that Cine Fantastique, it's all, all Mike Plug and Dale Culper. Yeah, you know? yeah. Unless I mean, unless Hubner was brought on as more of a concept artist for the, the for the base, possibly for you yeah, know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I hadn't thought about and, that. And, and the spaceship, maybe, or uh, mm. like the technology side of things. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um. A- anyway, this this sequence, um, it was one of the first ones done by Rob Bottin. Um, and in the original script, Norris re- reacts to the. Defib, did we say it? We'll call yeah, it. D- yeah, D- rea- yeah. The f- defib. He he reacts to it by uh, changing, by spreading out and oozing off the side of the table. Right. Slightly, I suppose, like you know what his head does in the yeah. uh, finished version. But yeah, he kind of like spreads out, oozes off the table. Um, mm. Mike Plug modified that by having tentacles shoot out of Norris's feet. Yeah. Um, to be the giveaway about what's really happening, but it was. Uh, Rob Botton, who changed it to the chest opening. He's the guy who came up with the idea of having the chest opening. Yeah. And I, I did... Uh, what I was saying about what my friend said is that I think it's the bit where the chest actually splits open and you kind of see the flesh stretch and then you also see when the head's detaching. Uh, I've never had any authentication on this, but he said he actually did use Hubba Bubba chewing gum. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to come to that. Right, is that, is that right? Because <laughs> yeah, I'll come to that shortly. Yeah, okay. I've got that's that that's about three or four lines down on my show notes. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so we have the chest opening. Um, a guy by the name of Archie Gillett. He designed a mechanical chest. Yeah. Out of fiberglass with foam latex skin over the top of it. Right. Okay. The cavity was open and closed by a hydraulic ram operated from below mm-hmm. with the actor Charles Hallahan. He was also, also partially under the table. And as I say, I can't see the join between the two at yeah. all. Yeah. That, that's why you say, you know, I, I genuinely thought, cause he wasn't doing any moving. He's essentially laid still. So it's not like his face is moving. I, I thought, is that just a really great prosthetic head that we're using? No, I've got a photo. I'm going to put it up on Facebook where you can clearly see it's like a side view and you can see that. Yeah. He is laying under the table with his head right. just sticking out. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, for the doctor's arms being severed, they used a double amputee That's by the right, name yeah. of Joe Corot. Yeah, okay. and, and, and made sort of a doctor mask to fit on his face, didn't they? They did, you know, yes, yes. Um, yeah. In like, in like a screaming pose. Yeah. It, it's, it's not great. Um, it, does, it does the job, but when you, you do notice the face, it is very odd. 
I think it helps that, you know, he falls back almost into shadow. All the light is on on Norris on the table and he falls back into shadow almost. Yeah. I think they realise that, yeah, this isn't the most convincing, convincing but we... If, if we only uh, partially light it and cut it yeah. quickly, people won't notice. But it's as as the arms are physically torn, I don't. It's very sort of almost like jelly type mm. substance. It, it rips it. I, I mean, that's not kind of like latex or anything. It almost feels like gelatin or something. It, it is. It, uh, that's exactly what they are. They are gelatin arms uh, yeah. with acrylic bones inside. And again, that's uh, quite ahead of its time, isn't it? Because mm. you know, you don't think of you think of foam latex and those type of materials back then you don't think of mm. silicons and gelatins no uh, being no. used as much but i just remember it's rare it's that sound effect as the the tear and you just yeah and it doesn't tear straight it just tears in chunks and yeah it's it's very really, very realistic isn't it yeah oh yeah it's really yeah. nasty again i'd love to see rob bottin or whoever you know experimenting with gelatin arms you know casting an arm in gelatin and and then hacksawing it and thinking oh yeah this does look real you know yeah because they must have had to have multiple practice runs of these gags they they can't just expect it to work on the day they must have like said had a bit of a go in the car park or whatever and see if does this actually work can you imagine someone cycling past or the postman brings a delivery and there's all these people (laughs) cutting arms open in the backyard yeah blimey but uh, yeah and it, and, it, and again, you don't sort of get any idea of just how many people were on, on set. You know, how many people are, are, are hidden on the ceiling and under the rafters yeah, and yeah, under the floorboards yeah, under the while, table. While, <laughs> yeah, while this is going on. Yeah. The teeth in the chest, they were acrylic, uh, but they were filed razor sharp. Right. Okay. And they, they were nicknamed the scissors of death by right. the crew uh, and to bite through the gelatin arms. Yeah. Okay. And snap the, the acrylic bones inside. Oh, right. So it was quite a nasty thing if you got your real arm inside, I suppose. Yeah. See, this is the thing. It it says hydraulic rams. So you, you press that button, those teeth are going to close. You know, you've got to make sure everyone's out the way for that. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like a, a man trap, like a bear trap thing, doesn't it? It is. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when Mor- Norris grows, uh, they used five or six dummy heads, uh, right. each with a different expression, um, all built by Bill Worthington. He's right. the guy who sculpted those. Yeah. Um, the one we see uh, has its head on the ceiling, um, and that's because it was being operated above the ceiling. All the wires, like you say, and all the cables to operate the eyes and the mouth were going up through the head, through the ceiling, to the guy who was just above. So have we got sort of somebody up there with essentially the arm through the ceiling into the back of the head to work the face? Is that what Yes, we, I think so. Got, Either yeah. that or, or cabling. Um, yeah. I don't you- know. It might, I, I get the feeling there's probably actually just somebody's arm through the back, probably through the girder, and actually working it straight from behind. And as long as you keep, you keep the yeah. ar- the angle right, you're never going to see the guy's arm. Like a boggling. Do you remember those toys, boggling's, which were those monsters that which were a head and two arms, and you yeah. put your hands in the back yeah. and you could operate the eyes and mouth. Yeah, it's just a giant boggling. Yeah. But We've uh, discovered the origin of the <laughs> thing, Andrew. <laughs> Um, for the next stretch, um, there was a manually, again, Mike Plug illustrated that, and it's in Cine Fantastic, and I'll put it on Facebook. But uh, for the next stretch, there was a manually operated push rod hidden mm. in the neck. Yeah. Uh, the stretching neck, was, it says, was partially achieved by using heated bubble yum gum. Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, did, did they all sit around chewing loads of bubble gum and then sort of hand it over, or was it just kind of heated and melted and... You imagine all the crew getting handed a piece of yeah. bubble bubble or whatever. I like the idea of all the crew sitting around, all the designers, you know, figuring out how can we accomplish the next stretch, all chewing bubble gum, and then one of them suddenly goes, 
Yeah. Hang on a minute. (laughs) This thing in my mouth does just what we want it to do. Yeah, like when you just when you kind of you know it's like bubblegum when you stretch out your mouth, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. All all the all the sort of sinewy bits, but that's great, great idea. (laughs) And and you you know many of these effects like this one here, I can't think of another time when I've seen it used again in Mm. in in a film where you have this stretching because some of them they they stretch and they burst and you have these tiny little bubbles bursting just like blood vessels bursting and that you know and i can't think of any other time where somebody you know emulated this or copied it you know yeah i i think it's such you know it's a bit like the original alien isn't it It kind of it works essentially once really really well and anything after that's just going to be a copy of it i mean you Mm. know it's 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 as equally as good as it does original alien for being such an original creature mm. that you know you've ne- it's never been bettered in no. in, in those respects people have sort of come close but uh, yeah it's it's a unique yeah and i i remember the trailers and stuff they they barely showed anything you know the uh the the, the poster just had you know you had a picture of uh, outpost 31 and with the slogan yeah. man is the warmest place to hide i know they what, were, what 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 would you possibly show in a trailer that wouldn't spoil the things you know yeah. that's, that's what's so weird about it isn't it yeah you can see why there was nothing shown because it to, to take any of these sequences and just isolate a tiny clip it's it just wouldn't work for me it's so different to now i mean you know the amount of criticism you know the alien covenant had is because you see virtually everything in the whole blooming trailer yeah oh i don't know all right before i go off on a rant on that one uh the spider head uh the the actual spider head was attached to a custom built car which had a four inch wheelbase and a low center of gravity um the legs of the spider were attached to cam wheels so as the car moved along, the legs skittered up and down, which is exactly the same as Boris the Spider. Do you remember Boris the Spider, one of Matt Irving's creations for yeah. the John Pertwee Doctor Who, uh, Planet That's of the right. Spiders? Yeah. That's exactly the same technique. You know? and, and a little um, bit similar to the uh, to the running face suggers in Aliens as well, isn't it? Of course, they were on yes. A, a yeah. thing. But the, the, the sequence with the spider head where the legs actually appear was filmed in reverse wasn't it they were actually pulling right. the, pulling the legs into the head yes uh, and and it's one of them things because you've just got this sort of drifting smoke from the fire extinguishers it doesn't make any difference whether that's going forward or backwards mm. um it's still just drifting smoke um yeah so it, it didn't really make any odds to it. you don't look at that smoke and think oh that smoke's going the wrong mm. kind of wrong way pardon me um but uh, yeah, it's it's a great sequence. But the, the the tongue as well of the Norris head when it's on the floor that was filmed in reverse, wasn't it? When it yes. latches onto yes. the to the chair leg to pull itself along. Yeah, um, and it looks like a piece of sort of acrylic pipe, like a, you know, um, yeah, tubing. It does the job. The way it you know lashes around before finally attaching itself. Yeah. You know, it, it's great that sort of shot of it just kind of almost like snaking first. You know, well that's like what it. I was about to say. How did they do that? Because you know it's a reverse shot, so it was wrapped around the leg of the table, and then they pulled it. But it doesn't come back in a straight line. How did they get that to actually came back to go back into the mouth of? Of of Norris, how did they get that? Is there I, is it articulated? I, or I thought what? about this once, and the only thing I could think of was like, because it's like flat on the floor. I thought, have the kind of put in very very fine kind of pins into the wooden floor, so the actual tongue is wrapped around the pins. Oh, so, right. so, so so as it pulls, it doesn't pull in a straight line. It snakes around the pins, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They'd be so small. 
in that sequence you know i mean it could be just tiny tiny pieces of something but it's just enough to kind of give it a track to almost pull against um i'll have yeah. to i'll have to have a really good look on the blu-ray and see if i can see anything kind of in it yeah get your nose up against the screen yeah you know see if there's anything in the floor because yeah it could be just very very small pins sticking out just enough to give it a a, a, a like a, a path to to follow or even if it doesn't follow them, maybe it's enough to actually nudge it. So instead of going in a smooth direction, it's yeah. nudged and moved because it's hitting these tiny little pins. Yeah. Again, I'd love to see them trying it out and they're going, no, that looks rubbish. It just goes straight back in. How can we think of a way to actually get it to snake around a bit? Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, that it's unfortunately um, certain, certain movies um, have great behind-the-scenes stuff. And, um, you know, the thing... Unfortunately, it does fall into that category of not having that great behind the scenes, you know, um, stills-wise. I mean, I've seen some, but there's so much more of that. You know, you see, you see more if it's a Stan Winston effect. Yeah, you see far more in the way of photos, don't you? Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you say everybody has the mobile phones again, and you know, there would have been probably a lot more coverage just from people taking their own snapshot there probably is just a gallery somewhere hidden i mean i did a i mentioned the cinefexes last time and put them up on the facebook i did a, a similar thing with um we've, we've just had recently haven't we? we've had a making of big trouble in little china book and an art of big mm-hmm. trouble in little china book yep. and i did a mock-up of uh, an art of the thing uh, and i'll put that cover up uh, i'll send it to you later on so you can put it up but uh, you know hopefully if those books have been successful the, the same company might possibly look into this and we might get a, you know, a, a making or out of the thing. Um, it would be great. Yeah, because it, it, it would be terrific. I mean, um, I don't know if you're, if if you're, you follow it, but there's a Facebook page called Outpost, Outpost Thirty One. Yeah, which is devoted to the thing, and you see some of the fan creations of posters and stuff like that. Some of that is amazing work. Yeah, know? but you know, it would be great. You know, uh, I think it's a. Uh, the, the book company, I think, were called Boom or something. Who did the? I, I didn't bother with the art of Big Trouble Channel. I just got the making of because the art mm-hmm. of was covering a lot of again a lot of the fan service stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, the the making of books got some really nice stuff. And like I said, hopefully, if it's this, you know, might spur them on to do the thing and possibly other Carpenter movies. Mm. Uh, oh, well. an Escape from New York one. Yeah, that'd but, be terrific. But you know, I mean, in in some ways, it's good that the. Uh, everything isn't out there and for everybody to see how it was done yeah, I but, suppose. but you know if you're if you're fans of this type of stuff like we are then it's it you know it would be nice to sort of say um and and botting is a very sort of weird character isn't he he's not really one of these people you see a lot of interviews with and, no no you know and um i say i'm i'm not sort of dissing the guy but i have seen various people who said he did take a lot more credit for you know sequences than he really should have done because there was a hell of a lot of people involved with this movie mm. you know uh, sculptors and mold makers and concept artists and people do go oh Rob Bottin's the thing but you think well yeah. credit where credit's due you know there was a a, a lot of people um, and I, I don't know you know what the story is why he disappeared from the industry you know I don't know what the real story behind this but I did see recently he did work on a movie um, within the last year uh, he's, right. he's credited on IMDb as uh, helping out with special effects on something. So, Didn't he do uh, work on Game of Thrones as well, though? Yeah, yeah, I believe he has done work on Game of Thrones, but there was certainly a, a, a short movie or something he's worked on as well, and you think that's weird that he's just suddenly showed up. So there was talk he went into the real estate business or something. Really? Yeah. 
Oh my that's, goodness. That's what I'd heard. I mean, you know, maybe he just thought, well, I can spend money I've made buying property and selling it for a profit. But uh, yeah, I've heard he's worked on Game of Thrones as well, but I've never seen any photographs of him. I mean, I don't know what he would look like these days. No, no, no. I, I've just got that mental image of him on on the cover of Cine Fantastique. You know? uh, people often describe him as being like a big sort of bear, you know, like a yeah. you know fairly big bloke, but... You know, he was he was a protege from Rick Baker's from being very young, wasn't he? I think he that's right. He was um, he worked with Rick Baker. I think you know from being about fourteen, fifteen year old. I think sort yeah. of like or hanging around his studio. And uh, there's an illustration I think he did of Lon Chaney, uh, which is um, I've seen in one of the I can't remember this in the Cine Effects or Cine Fantastique, which I think he'd sent to Rick Baker, and Rick Baker was really in, impressed with this illustration of Lon Chaney. Uh, that Boyne had done, and yeah, he'd sort of helped him out on various movies yeah. and stuff. But it, it does make you wonder again whether they're still in contact with each other, you know. Yeah, because he's sort of like, you know, him to Rick Baker, is it sort of like the way Rick Baker was to Dick Smith? Yeah. You know, yeah. both guys were like mentors to the other, weren't they? Yeah, and, you know, they the kind of worked work together on several projects and uh, supervised, and, you know, the, the, then there was that little kind of split off where obviously Rick mm. goes off to do American Werewolf and leaves Rob behind to do The Howling. The which, Howling, yeah. Which Rick did initially kind of set up with him. Yes. Um, but I don't think there was any kind of form of animosity. I think they were seen as healthy competition. Mm. You know, I think uh, they never worked together again after that, I don't think. But, you know, they were, I don't think there was any kind of arguments. It was like, I've got to... I've, I've told John I'm going to go off and do American Wolf. I've promised him. So you you know what to do. You know you stay here and do the howling. Mm. Yeah. And and they're both e- equal masterpieces in their own right. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is a shame. You know that he's he's gone quiet and he doesn't like to talk about it. I mean, you know, you know Rick Baker. You know on Instagram now yeah. is is quite prolific and uh, and and great to see. It'd be also great to see if Rob Bottin suddenly went oh i might do that as well and and then start sharing with everybody you know photos and memories of you know his past work because he's got a fantastic terrific body of work you know yeah what, um, one, of, one of the weirdest robotic things of recent years was i think it was in the last couple of years when those uh, concept sculpts from the fly showed up from the uh, david cronenberg that Bottin had done hmm. of like a weird kind of you know insect type head and uh, i'm not too sure who had them but suddenly they, they sort of showed up on the uh, practical effects group and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. his his sort of. He, I suppose they probably got several companies to maybe pitch ideas. You know, and uh, Botin was one of them. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, Wallace, Wallace won out obviously. But yes, yeah, it was a, yeah. it was a much more insecty, bug-like kind of design. Mm. Um, where where Cronenberg was much more into the kind of body horror type stuff, wasn't he? The transformation. Yeah. Oh, what and, a surprise! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, that's probably why I went with uh, that look. But yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. You know. Right. Well, that's then that's behind the scenes over. So traditionally on this show, uh, I've got to ask a rating off of you. Um, I don't think it deserves a ten for some of its technical bits, but I'd probably say it's a it's a nine for me okay yeah um well i i i totally agree uh with what you just said there but i'm not as generous uh and i'm only giving it an eight right it's still it's still terrific you know i mean it's great designs you know great sound effects 
fantastic editing, fantastic photography. I just a let, bit let down by that close up of Norris's face. Yeah, I'm being a bit, bit, very pedantic, but I'm also trying to put this also in place with other effects in the film. Yeah. Um, so it gets an eight from me. So that gets it a, a eight and a half. Okay. Yeah, it probably is the most sort of well. Be, the, the dog sequence and this are the two most memorable sequences, aren't they, really? Uh, yeah. You know, the kind of the standout sequences. Um, you know, the, the the ending's a different story because obviously, you know, the uh, the, the Norris monster at the end originally was going to incorporate stop motion effects, yes. which it never did. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit subdued, the monster at the end. It's not quite maybe what we should have had, um, mm. you know, to, it, as a climax to the movie. Um, mm. But, you know, that's like a. a another story really i tell you what you 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 mentioned in the other sequences in the film i mean it's too brief a scene but i might as well mention it here one of my favorite ones in the whole film and i can't remember the name of the guy he, he he's quite slight looking and he's got a beard and he's the one who goes outside and he's got a parker on him he kneels down is it fuchs Fuchs, and somebody yeah, says, yeah. that's not Fuchs. And you see these arms. He brings his arms out from underneath his anorak. And you, they, they, you've got this massive, you know, insectoid arms. And it's the cry that he gives when uh, he, he does like this raw thing. And that's one of my favorite sequences. I mean, immediately he's torched. But uh, oh, I no, love no, that moment. No, that's not, that's not Fuchs. That's, that's the guy, isn't it? When, when they go into that room and um, he's up against the wall and he's got all the tentacles wrapped around him. Oh, is it um, Benno's? Yeah, it and, Benno's? Then, and then I think, I think they're kind of alert. And when it they it run is, back, isn't he's it? Gone. Yeah. And when, when they run outside, he's, he's already kind of running away, but he hasn't quite fully transformed at That's that point. Him. Yeah, yeah, and he, he, uh, yeah, Fuchs is the kind of slight boffin-looking one. Yes. Yeah. I think McCready talks to him in the helicopter at one point. He's the one you. He? Yeah. He's the one you never see die, but you know how he died. In that, that there's uh, deleted scenes of him impaled on a door with a spade, isn't he? You know. Yeah. Uh, they did film it, but they cut it out. Yeah. No, it's the guy who who runs out and he yeah. hasn't quite transformed. It's just that moment that that those arms and that cry. I think is terrific. Yeah, because I always thought that that sequence where you see him and they go into that, I think the story nobody's in that storeroom. When they go back, you sort of see him up against the wall and he's kind of got tentacles wrapped around him. I always thought that was one of the weaker effects in the movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's too red. I mean, yeah. we're back to colours again. It's too red and it's too wet. Yeah. And it looks just like a dummy with tentacles wrapped around yeah. him, doesn't it's, it? Yeah, it's a very brief cutaway, but I always remember thinking, even at the time on VHS, oh, it looks a bit ropey. But uh, yeah. it's one of the very few effects where you could criticise, really, anything yeah. else. Yeah. That's a great special effect as well towards the end of the movie, where he puts his fingers under his skin, under... Uh, yeah, <laughs> and he, he, that's an ooh moment. Yeah, and again, that, looks, that must be something really flexible, like a, a gelatin or a silicon. You but know, again, you can't see the join because that is that is definitely the actor. Yeah. You know, old D- Donald, Donald Moffat. Donald Moffat, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Rem- yeah. Rem- from, uh, oh, don't from... say it. <laughs> Do you mind? We're talking about the thing, not that. Um, but yeah, and, and I used to watch that. It's like, I can't see the join. I can't see where the fake skin finishes and the real skin yeah. starts. But it's just really nasty. And I think you see that shot of him sort of getting just dragged off by his face. Yeah, which is stretched. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah so, so many great sequences. But uh, yeah, fa- yeah, fantastic movie. And, and again, it's another one of these sort of movies that, you know, it's just had its anniversary, hasn't it? Um, yes. You know, uh, what anniversary would we be talking about? We'd, we'd be talking 30, 35. 35 years, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, 
and it didn't do very good at the box office at the time. You know, it, the, the critics right. didn't particularly like it. Um, you know, same as Blade Runner didn't particularly set the box office yeah, alight. It had no fun fair, uh, fanfare at all. No. And to my recollection, we never had it back. We never had it back as, uh, you know, second feature on a double bill. Yeah. Um, I, so, I, yeah. I've seen it uh, at the local cinema probably within the last sort of seven or eight years. I think there was a re-release. I can't remember when right. it was. But, uh, yeah, I've seen a digital projection of it. I was going to say, see, now you can you can watch any film, you know, yeah. now digitally. Um, you don't have to um, phone up Perivale and, and, yeah. and, and get a copy and yeah. pray that it's a good one and it won't be. Well, well, well there's obviously this, this recent talk, the Close Encounters is coming back to the big screen and yes. things like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'd love to see on the big screen because, again, it's a movie I've never seen on the big screen. You know, uh, I don't know why I didn't see that at the time, but I just never did. Uh, Again, that's a that, that's another film I've got to uh, cover at some yeah. point, and I've got lots of things to say about that because that's one of the f- few films that I can remember almost having a, a, a religious moment. Yeah. I was just so elated by it. You know? yeah. But anyway, like you said, the, the thing's a, a classic, and I think it'll always be a classic, and I think it's found new audiences as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's not one of those movies that uh, younger people are sort of, you know, put off by, you know, the, the special effects. I think they love the special effects. I, it's not just younger people. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, like we were saying, it, it, it came and went in the cinema. It only started becoming popular when it came out on, on video. So even if you've got diehard fans, you know, they might be getting on a bit now, but even some of them never actually managed to see it in the cinema on original release. Yeah. You know, and, and it is a masterpiece. You know, uh, there's a very few films that I'll call a masterpiece. And in the fantasy genre, I think there's only three. There's this, Blade Runner, and Alien. Yeah. Okay. And the only way, the only faults I can find with that, I mean, I, I, I think they're fantastic. I can't fault the acting, the music, the, the effects, blah, blah, blah. The only problem I've got with Blade Runner is that blooming 2019 yeah. thing at the beginning, yeah. know, <laughs> which seriously dates it. <laughs> Alien doesn't date at all. This one does date because if you've got McCready's computer, yeah. but it's set in 1981. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can you can forgive it that, can't you? People often go on about modern movies about you know oh, there wasn't enough character development. I mean, we've got no character development much with any of these guys. We we barely know anything about any of these people beyond mm-hmm. the fact that they're scientists and they're at this yeah. research facility. And at this point in the story, they're they're now fighting for their lives. We don't need to know, you know, we we don't know who them who's married, who's got children, uh, yeah. who, who's got what qualification. You know, we, we we know some are slightly up the you know the authority ladder than the rest, but we that that's kind of it, and it doesn't matter a jot. You know, no. uh, the the fighting for the lives, and you, you're concerned as to what's going to go on. And I think people sometimes these days go, oh, there's no there's no there's no motivation behind any of the characters, or we don't know enough about them. Yeah, you don't need to if it's a good movie. Yes. You know, if if it's if it's well paced and well written and well edited, and you're involved, well with acted. What's, what, yeah, well, I well acted. What's going on? I don't even know whether McCready's got a wife. You know, I don't care. I I don't care. You know, at the end of the day, you know, whatever's happening is happening now. Mm. And uh, Carpenter was great at doing that, you know, with these little movies where he's got this core group of characters in a a situation, you know, whether it's like Assault Precinct 13. And I mean, you know, a lot of people don't like it, but Ghosts of Mars is the same scenario again. You Mm. know, you've got a group of people in a, a fixed thing where they're fighting for their lives. And uh, I think he was a, he was good at doing that. Hmm. Um, and 
you know you you don't need to spend half an hour setting up the characters backgrounds you know mm. i don't think it adds anything to it um you know it's 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 just really really well done um and you know wouldn't have benefited from any of that in my opinion i think it's it's perfect yeah yeah, it is a perfect standalone film. Yep. You don't need a prequel. No. You certainly never need a sequel. Um, leave it alone. Yeah, it's I, fantastic. I, I still see on a regular basis people that assume that the 2011 one was a remake of this. And <laughs> and I think it wasn't a remake. It was a prequel, you know. And um, just because it was called The Thing, you know, is people just assume, oh, it was a remake. Um, mm. But, you know, and... and it's one of the very few, so I, if it had been a remake, I wouldn't have watched it. Because I knew it was a prequel, I did watch it. And I did enjoy it. I thought it was an interesting idea, but it wasn't needed. And mm. we all know what happened with the special effects, how the, you yeah. know, the, the shot a lot of practical effects and then replaced them digitally. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not a, you know, it's, it's a five out of ten movie. Uh, it's mm. it's an afternoon's entertainment, but uh, you know no one's ever going to talk about that like we are thirty five years down, later down the no. line. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. All right, well, thank you, yep. Andrew. Great. Thank, th- th- thanks for uh, um, getting us into uh, the thing for the first time. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, and thank you to anyone listening. Um, Join us. I don't know how long it will be before we uh, rejoin the thing, but uh, we will at some point. So thank you, everyone, and goodbye. That's all, folks.